the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show we are together this Monday, this first Monday of the uh, Pacific Standard Time. It's going to get a little dark by the end of the show today, but uh, don't worry. We are the, the people of the light. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. You know, in a lot of the uh, news, there's a couple of interesting stories that I, I want to point out because of what I think is ultimately coming in a lot of our chaos for for Christians. And this isn't something to be worried about. It's something that the Bible even tells us we shouldn't even see as strange. It's something that we should expect. Do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible that when at some point in this conflict in Israel or some point the division that we have in our country or other things, that uh, Christians ultimately get the blame for it? And, uh, you know, I think the answer is yes. That's what happened ultimately in uh, Rome, and they were blamed for things that uh, they had nothing to do with. But this tends to be something that occurs. And so I kind of listen for this. There was a interview that I heard. It's on the Bill Maher program, and it's with uh, uh, Farid Zakaria from CNN, a reporter. So Bill Maher is asking this question, and what he's asking is, why does this keep happening to Jewish people? Like, why is this something that, you know, there's so many inconsistencies with uh, what people have believed about this. So here's how the beginning of this goes. But what I want you to do when we get to it is to listen what Farid, to what Farid says, how he tries to blame this. It's got to be something about the this- the Jews themselves, because there are other people around the world who are oppressed. There are other colonized places, not that Israel colonized anything, but why this one place, why does this arouse, especially among young people? I mean, but the young people Farid who hate, hated Trump because he, he wouldn't condemn the people with the tiki torches, talking about Jews. You're the ones with the tiki torches I think, now. I don't think... So he's asking the question why there's all kinds of other battles going on in the world. There's all kinds of other – there have been other terrorist attacks. There have been other regimes doing terrible things. Why does this happen? Why is it – why is the opinion, particularly of what he's saying here, is generationally against the Jews? Now, here is the response. Listen to this. To answer your, your question, Bill, because I have also wondered about this, it, what it, the, the, the upsurge of anti-Semitism that you're seeing around the world and sadly in the United States itself is in a way the most powerful justification for the state of Israel, right? It feels, it must feel to Jews everywhere that they're not safe, that the one place they can be safe is the state of Israel. It is the ultimate justification. Why it happens is, sadly, it is the oldest bigotry known to man. I mean, it comes out of, you know, the Christian ideas about, 
you know, about Jews killing Christ. That's not what college kids. Wait a minute. It comes out of the Christian ideas about Jews. Hold on a second. You know, about Jews killing Christ. That's not what college kids. Be safe is the state of Israel. It is the ultimate justification. Why it happens is, sadly, it is the oldest bigotry known to man. I mean, it comes out of, you know, the Christian ideas about, you know, about Jews killing Christ. that's not what college kids think. No, no, no. College kids are not hating Jews. But I think it all, what happens is... So, see, he drops in the whole Christian idea. So what he's getting at is that there has been Christian bigotry of Jews, for sure. That is an anti-Semitism that people who've called themselves Christians have had. Right. And the idea is and maybe somebody listening has has thought this before where you decide you don't like Jewish people because they're Christ killers or something that somebody said. I say if you if you think that if you're worried about that, then you don't understand the gospel because the greatest injustice ever to happen in human history is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That the best thing ever done to somebody in human history, ultimately, is that Jesus got crucified. He was innocent. He was proclaimed innocent. Six different trials. Pilate washed his hands. He was innocent. And yeah, he was killed. And Jesus on the cross said, forgive them for they know not what they do, because what they do is help bring about the salvation of the world. And so any Christian bigotry towards Jews... uh, or anybody else, but in this case, Jews, is a misunderstanding of the gospel. Now, there were a lot of Jews and Gentile bigotry in uh, the early church and uh, fighting against each other, and it's rooted in in history that goes a long time before. That's another thing that this guy says that's nuts, is that this be, that anti-Semitism began. It is probably the oldest uh, bigotry in the world, for sure, but it didn't begin with Christianity. It was a long time before that. Um, And, you know, but I heard this and I thought he worked really hard in an awkward way to throw Christians under the bus here. Like he he tried to to say that that's where this is coming from. Jews that's not what college kids. No, no, no. College kids are not hating. But I think it all what happens is. See, and Bill's even like college kids aren't hating Jews for this reason. But I thought about this and I thought this is this is an old thing. You know, the story of uh, Nero. This is the Pastor Scott show, by the way. Number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. You know, probably the most vile, evil leader in all of human history probably is Nero. And uh, it's super relevant, I think, especially in light of the New Testament command to pray for your leaders, where Paul writes that in uh, Timothy, and he's probably referring to Nero. Okay, so if you're ever thinking, I don't want to pray for uh you know, Biden or Trump or whatever side you're on, uh, you're supposed to pray for them. Not pray that they get, that they do everything they want to do. Pray that they change their mind where they are wrong. Pray that they repent. You know, it's not pray that uh, they're successful in doing evil. It's pray that they repent and lead our nation well. We need Joe Biden right now to be a great president because there's tremendous division. He's got tremendous pressure on himself. We all need that. That doesn't mean you got to vote for him next fall. It just means he needs to do well. That matters. Nero, uh, Nero Claudius Caesar, born AD 37, for those of you who like to write that down, um, he was educated at the feet of a philosopher named Seneca, um, who he, who Nero eventually forced to commit suicide. Nero murdered his way to the imperial throne, 
and he was there from 54 to 68 AD. And his entire life was characterized by debauchery and violence. He caused his own mother to be killed and uh, extravagance. And in AD 64, a terrible fire broke out in Rome. And, you know, back then they didn't have helicopters and an easy way to, uh, you know, put it out. And it was believed, though, the the rumor was, and maybe it's true, that Nero deliberately set that fire, that he deliberately torched the city in order to justify uh, building a better city. You know, I don't know if you've thought about that before, but, uh, you know, I think I think some people have. It's called insurance fraud, where suddenly your house burns down and you get the insurance and you build a better house. But then they figure out you did it and you go to prison and uh, somebody else gets your property. Uh, Nero burns down Rome because he wants to build a, a better one. And the legend is, you've probably heard this, that Nero was observed fiddling while the city burned. Uh, he didn't really play the fiddle. He played the lyre is uh, what he actually did. And Nero was politically being blamed and maybe rightfully so. But he seized upon a plan and Roman sentiment at the time, now in about uh, AD 64 or so, was hostile towards Christianity. The emperor, Nero, he decided to blame the followers of Jesus for the crime. They used to blame the Jews, and they it was very expedient to blame the Jews. The problem with blaming the Jews for Nero is that they would fight back, uh, that they had land in Judea, which is the same land that we're arguing about today that the Jews were on back then. It was called Israel. How about that? Um, and eventually, the Romans would uh, wipe them out. And uh, the Jews would scatter around the world. But there was going to be a war called the Jewish Wars. But there was no Christian wars. There was no command in Christianity to take up arms or to do any of that. So it was very convenient to blame Christians for this fire. It became very convenient because they had no method of fighting back. They had no power. They had nothing. Um, or, and they, they felt like they probably wouldn't. Uh, Tacitus, who's a Roman historian, he wrote uh, this, and this is a quote. And so, this is him writing the story about Nero. He says, and so, to get rid of this rumor, Nero set up, or falsely accused, as the culprits and punished with the utmost refinement of cruelty, a class hated for their abominations who are commonly called Christians. Uh, Christus, which is Jesus Christ, from whom their name is derived, was executed at the hands of the procurator Pontius Pilate in the reign of Tiberius. And for those of you keeping score, this is not in the Bible. This is in the uh, Roman uh, annals with uh, Tacitus. It is uh, section 1544. Uh, For all the people out there who think there's no other evidence in the Bible for Uh, Jesus to exist, which, by the way, no credible scholar agrees with that, by the way. Uh, They all agree he existed, and they agree that this is a legitimate text. Uh, He says, Christus, from whom their name is derived, Christians, okay, Christ was executed at the hands of Pontius Pilate. They used to say Pontius Pilate didn't exist, and oh, there he is. Checked for a moment, this pernicious superstition broke out, not only in Judea, the source of the evil, but even in Rome. Tacitus is writing against Christianity, see, and the the evil was the idea that you're saved by grace. Uh, the evil was the idea that you don't earn salvation. Completely different thing, right? So Christianity was checked here, but it broke out even in Rome eventually. And... You know, it's an interesting thing. People thought Christians were atheists because they rejected all of the Roman gods. So they're not really atheists because they obviously believed Jesus was God and they believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but they, you know, the theology of the early Christians and today's Christians is that humans cannot save themselves. They need a savior. 
It's a big idea that was never understood before that. Only Christianity teaches such a thing. Uh, And this is what Nero did to him. Besides being put to death, they were made to serve as objects of amusement. They were clothed in the hides of beasts and torn to death by dogs. Others were crucified, others set on fire to serve to illuminate the night when daylight failed. Nero had thrown open his grounds for the display and was putting on the show in in the circus where he mingled with the people in the dress of a charioteer and drove about in his chariot. All this gave rise to a feeling of piety even towards men whose guilt merited the most exemplary punishment for it was felt that they were being destroyed not for the public good but to gratify the cruelty of an individual. People even understood that Nero was doing this out of uh, an evil notion. Point of all this is it's an old story that you come back and you figure out how to blame the Christians for the fire that is there. We should not worry about that, but we should recognize that when we see Christians getting the blame or we see Christians targeted for doing what is right, not Christians targeted for what is doing what is wrong. We'll get to it in a minute, but you know, as a Christian, if you're going to be persecuted or attacked or criticized, make sure you're being criticized for doing good, the good of, uh, making disciples or teaching the gospel. Uh, if you're being a jerk, then maybe you deserve to be criticized You know, for that. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. Uh, Rachel in Orange County, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Rachel, you there? God bless you, and God bless your uh, radio station. Love it. Thank you, Rachel. Um, so I, I just wanted to make a comment on, you were talking earlier about you know, people saying about the peace and the war in Israel and, you know, and taking a, a, a cue from Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers. And I have found that there are certain types of people who know a little bit about the Bible that will quote, you know, well, my God, you know, says thou shall not kill, uh, blessed are the peacemakers type stuff like that. And, you know, I never really understood what uh, on that commandment. I heard a preacher, I, I wish I could remember his name, but I don't, but he was like Southern accent, and he said something that just made it so perfect, and what he said was, he was going over the Ten Commandments and doing one at a time, and he came to that commandment, thou shalt not kill, and what he said was, it, he said it really should have read, thou shalt not murder, so there's a big difference, and it just made sense to me, and and I was able to go back to my friend and say, this is really what it meant, because obviously, you know, he did call for war and to kill people. But to take somebody's life just to murder them, go into the house and murder, he explained that that really was what that commandment was about. Have you heard that? Well, yes. I mean, certainly the commandment is about murdering. And, you know, and it's not to say that uh, any other killing of human beings is okay, Right. When when God one time tells the people of uh, Israel to wipe out the uh, Canaanite societies that were the cities that were in the promised land, uh, he says, because it's because they are fully and totally wicked. Right. And then he even says in Deuteronomy to the people of Israel, you guys shouldn't think of yourselves as all that great. He calls them a stiff necked people and says, but I have called you to do these things because you're going to call somebody. And never again does God uh, command anybody to be wiped out, okay, after that. So we we need to make sure that there is a distinction between going to war and murder, right? 
And that becomes right. the, the hard thing with when we're dealing with wars today, whether it be the thing in Israel right now or, you know, what about our war against the Taliban or what about the war in Iraq? You know, we, we killed an awful lot of people in these wars. The United States and our allies did uh, a lot. Um, and it is – and there's wars going on. I was reading these statistics of how many uh, Syrians have died in the Syrian civil war and how many Yemenis have died, if that's the right term. Um, it's hundreds of thousands of people um, being murdered in wars that probably in those the Muslim wars, you know, it's really just we're better Muslims than you, so we're going to kill you uh, kind of thing. And it's all bad. But there certainly is a difference between the murder of people for the sake of murdering them and and killing people because you're trying to um, restore peace or justice. It's very complicated, right. but there is a difference. And certainly um, whoever you heard preach that is probably more correct. It's about murder. Um, but we shouldn't excuse the the fact that all killing is something that's bad. That's why it goes away whenever Jesus comes back. Right, that we will beat our swords in the plowshares, that there, there will be peace. And part of the evil of the fallen world is the fact that there is war. Amen. So, all right, Rachel. Thank you, Pastor yeah, Scott. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Appreciate that. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. What I wanted to point out is that you know, if it turns and Christians are blamed, and a lot of what you know, we discussed this a little bit in the past uh, past hour, but uh, Judeo-Christian ethic being under attack is in part you know, religious, um, and the the idea of and I, I want to be careful about persecution because there are Christians who are literally today being murdered for their faith, actually killed because they are Christian. Real persecution, per- Christians being jailed, pers- Christians being imprisoned, um, you know, tortured. There's a lot of terrible persecution. But trial or hardship, relatively speaking, in the life of a Christian is not something we should be surprised about. It's something that we should recognize that the Bible says is coming, you know, and that we should have a certain attitude about it. Romans 5.3 says uh, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. It's always such a funny thing in the Bible to rejoice in your sufferings, but it gives a reason, right? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. That there is to go through things and to stand firm is something that helps you in your faith and in your life. Um, Second Thessalonians 1, 4, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. He's probably talking about the Nero persecutions that we read in its gory detail a minute ago. And saying, hey, you know, we're praying for you, and these people are far enough away that they weren't dealing with it as harshly. Um, Although I think there were 12, off the top of my head, I want to say 12 state-sponsored persecutions of Christians uh, over uh, the first couple hundred years of the church, uh, all throughout the Roman Empire. Um, See, the thing is about persecution is it's a way to tell you who's who. Uh, in the scriptures, like in the book of First Peter, it talks about how to be a Christian, and part of it is that there will be persecution, that some people are going to reject you because you believe in Jesus. And once again, persecution is 
you know, it's a big word. But what I want to say is that it's it's normal and it's not strange. In verse First Peter chapter four verse twelve, um, <clears throat> I just deleted it here. One one Peter, hold on while I type this in here. It says, "Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you." I love that verse because it says. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. See, if you're persecuted for your faith, you, you know, you're teased or you have relational trouble, then it's genuinely because of your faith in Jesus. Uh, don't be surprised. And it's not strange. I think that's a, it's not that God doesn't love you or that you've done something wrong or that the faith has failed. Uh, nowhere in the Bible does it promise a life free of persecution or a life free of pain or of grief or of tears. It's not there at all. It says, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, it says. Now, later it says, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief of any kind of criminal or even as a meddler, meaning that you know, it's not persecution if you go to jail because you stole something, right? It's not, it's not, you're not being persecuted if you lose your job because you're a jerk uh, to people at work because people can't get along with you. That's not persecution, right? Persecution is you lose your job because you go to church on Sunday, because you um, have a Bible on your desk. Persecution is because of your faith in Christ, not because of behaviors that are, are not are not right. That's that's important because I've I've heard it. I'm pastor for a long time. I'm being persecuted. Oh, you are? Why? Well, my boss won't. One person said my boss won't let me go home early. Well, when are you supposed to get off? Five o'clock. Well, when do you want to get off? Two o'clock because I want to go to the beach with my friends. Well, you're supposed to work till five. Yes, she said. And I said, well, that's not persecution. You have a job and you got to work till five. That's how it goes. Well, I don't have anything to do. Well, you should be careful. You should find something to do or your boss might figure out you have nothing to do and you'll be able to go home a lot sooner permanently. You don't want that. Whatever it is, it's not persecution. We got to get that clear, right? But when it comes to people saying, hey, all this persecution, maybe it has to do with Christianity, that's not strange. That is, in fact, what we should expect. When we come back, I'm going to give you another example. Uh, The new Speaker of the House is getting harassed pretty big time because he has anti-pornography software on his computer. And uh, we'll talk about that when the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. With covenant lives within your home, and so uh, why is that such an effective tool? Why do parents need to put this into their home? Yeah, that's a great, great uh, question. We, we probably could have called this more appropriately a war on the darkness of technology because there are some good things with technology, of course. I mean, you know, the Bible apps we all love. We, we broadcast our services, you know, on our social media, and, and there's some very positive things. But there's also, as Clint's pointed out aptly, some really dark things. So Covenant Eyes is the software that I, I, we've been using a long time in our household. Uh, I, was, I first learned about it at, I think, a Promise Keepers event in the early 2000s. I think it was developed in about the year 2000. That is uh, Mike Mike Johnson, our new Speaker of the House, and he is at a church event where he is talking about the use of software that can go on computers that um, 
allows somebody to keep track of uh, and to help you stay away from pornography. That is the idea. It's something that's very, very common at men's uh, in men's ministry, uh, women's ministry, even uh, these days. And uh, it's very, very common that. But uh, the Speaker of the House is just getting chastised and ridiculed um, because of this. And uh, he is being mocked pretty badly. And I think part of it is, it's interesting to me how the idea that a, you would want to keep your kids from pornography or keep yourself from pornography is something that is now chastised. Uh, in the country when nearly all the research about it says that it is harmful to you in multiple ways. Long-term, everlasting harm comes from it. Um, but he is being attacked for this. Number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. He goes on to explain it uh, in a little more detail here. You get up to 10 devices, and what it is, it's accountability software. So uh, men in a church, you know, men's Bible study groups will do it. That's how it's presented at Promise Keepers. But they also mention, hey, when your kids become teenagers, especially if you have boys, dads, they're talking to the guys at this event, you might want to think about doing this with your sons. And so we've been doing that. And so what it does real, real simply is it has an algorithm and software. I'm, it's way above my head how it works. But um, it, it scans. You, you obviously opt into it. But it scans every all the activity on your phone or your devices, your laptop, tablet, what have you. We do all of it. And then it sends a report to your accountability partner. So my accountability partner right now is Jack, my son. Right Now that part gets him in a little trouble because it's like, oh, why is your accountability partner your son? But if you keep it in context, he explains it a little bit. And so he's 17. So he and I get a report of all the things that are on our phones or all of our devices once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. I'm proud to tell you my son has he's got a clean slate, all right? Yeah. But but we get we get a report and it says, "Hey, no no uh, activity of concern and it's really really sensitive. It'll pick up almost anything. It looks for keywords, search terms, and also images." So earlier we were talking the last segment talking about uh, Christian uh, persecution for lack of a better word. Um, and the Speaker of the House, who's an evangelical Christian, you know, the uh, jury is out, of course, on how he's going to do. He's only been in the job a couple of weeks, but he's very outspoken about his faith, conservative Christian Baptist person, and uh, <clears throat> that is who he is. So he's getting attacked a lot because of his openness about his faith uh, and speaking in it a way that is not really generic, right? There's always kind of uh, in the Congress and other parts of government a generic, uh, you know, God or the Almighty, that kind of talk. But he is very uh, explicitly um, a evangelical Christ follower, is uh, what he says, and he says that impacts his life. And uh, in that being probably true, he goes to church things like many of you do. And maybe this is new to you. Maybe some of you didn't realize this happens. Uh, and I read this whole long thing where lots of people who said they were Christians were saying, "I've never heard of this, this kind of software or accountability or stuff." There's a lot of argument, by the way, about accountability. Does it work? The idea is that, hey, if you're struggling with something, you don't keep it to yourself. You share that with somebody. And if there is a way to prevent you from doing something harmful to yourself, you should in, you should do that. This software is uh, something that uh, has been around for a long time. In fact, when I was a young adult pastor, my first first time I was a pastor, I was a young adult pastor. I helped guys with this all the time. In fact, the steps were, I'll put this software on your computer. 
<laughs> and I put it on mine. The same thing he just said there. So you can look at mine. I'll look at yours. But what happens is, is if they're going to one of these sites, you get an email. And then you call them and you go, what you doing? You know, you remind them that Jesus is in the room. It's kind of funny. And uh, some guys struggled so badly, I they would let me take their laptop. That's what I would do. I had this office with this incredible amount of storage that uh, far more than the, the books I had at the time. And uh, whenever I left that church, I had cabinets full of guys' laptops I had to give back to them <laughs> because they just were struggling so badly. And the reason it matters is because the effects of it are a disaster on your relationships. It has emotional, uh, it causes psychological effects, addiction. You get symptoms, you have body image problems, men and women both. There are all kinds of problems that affect your marriage. In fact, uh, most, uh, if you're struggling in your marriage, that's been a part of it in a lot of ways um, these days. Uh, And uh, there's almost nothing that is positive. Well, there's nothing that is positive. I mean, there's almost no study that says it's a positive thing. So I don't think it's a bad thing that uh, he's doing that. And even to do that with his son, Maybe the reason he's he's building trust. He says, look, I'm going to put this son on your, your computer, and uh, I'm going to put it on mine too so you can see what I'm doing and that it doesn't even have to go one way. I'm not sure that's a bad idea. Um, now, we have in my house now in the modern times, um, we have all the parental controls that are right in the server, and they're in the house, and they're on the phone, and there's there's all kinds of things that are different. Uh, I don't know how often that type of software is used as much anymore because there's other tools, but you got to use something. I don't think that's bad, and I don't think that he should be uh, getting hit for that. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Neil in Woodland Hills, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Um, can I can I talk about either um, the beginning of this hour or the last hour? Well, what we're talking about right now is Christians who are persecuted for doing good, um, and that the Bible says that that is something we should expect. So if you have a comment about that, that's where we're at right now. It's kind of if, it, if it's not there on Friday, we do Open Line Friday. You can call about whatever you want. All right. Uh, let me ask the question, and um, you can decide if you want to talk about it. I was just thinking that... Um, you quoted you quoted a gentleman at the beginning of this hour, and I don't think he was talking about the first century church. I think he was talking about um, like the Middle Ages church or the, or the Catholic church. And, I quoted uh, a guy who was from CNN who was blaming uh, anti-Semitism on Christianity um, and the the fact that there have been Christians throughout time who. Uh, are anti-Semitic because they believe he killed that the Jews killed Jesus, and therefore somehow they should be hated for that, missing the entire point of the Gospels altogether, and missing the point that Jesus is Jewish. So I would say that yeah. you're right that there's Middle Ages uh, definitely anti-Semitism from some uh, Christians, the Middle Ages on that, but it was also the first century, and there, I've heard that today. I mean, there's people today who make those comments. Yes, I, I think it's a misunderstanding, though, of why Jesus came. I yeah. think the first century church got it right. They eventually and, worked it um, out. But it was, it was uh, you know, once they understood the gospel, and, you know, and this is a little bit, we've kind of left this topic a little bit, so let me just finish with this, uh, Neil, is... 
once they understood the gospel, then what happened to Jesus was as unjust and, and horrific as a crucifixion of an innocent person is, it's the greatest thing ever to happen because an innocent person had to die in order for us to have our sins paid for and forgiven. And once that, uh, and that was very quickly understood, right? That was understood at Pentecost. That was part of Peter's speech there, right? It was understood. It just took, you know, as the message went out and churches were planted and people were getting saved, both Jews and Gentiles, they had to work out a lot of old feelings about things, but they did. And, uh, you know, occasionally those things crop up again, but whenever they do, it's a misunderstanding of the gospel. I mean, if you hate people for any reason, you know, because of race or, or, uh, those kinds of things. You shouldn't hate people for any reason, but you you miss if you're dehumanizing to other people, then you are missing the point of the gospel. Thanks, Neil, for your call. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. You know the 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 issue with the pornography. By the way, at the end of the day, with this, is that pornography is dehumanizing. That it objectifies not just the people who are in it, but the people who are participating at any level in it. And this is why it affects relationships. This is why it affects your own, you know, sexual function. It's why it affects your psychological well-being. It's why it destroys kids. It's why it destroys so many things because it's another thing that is dehumanizing. It is another thing that takes human beings as the way they ought to be and reduces them to some kind of commodity, to something about the way they look. And that's why it's evil. And all this criticism that uh, Michael Johnson is getting today uh, for having the software, for participating in men's groups that uh, try to help you not be addicted to this and not be involved in it is completely wrong. But that's part of the upside-down nature of where we are as a country because there are many people who would say that it's empowering, right? Women's groups for a long time, still some of them say that pornography is empowering. It's not empowering. It's, it's totally destructive. Uh, in every possible way. And there are multiple, every reason in the world you can think of, it should be avoided uh, because it destroys you. It destroys the people who are a part of it. Uh, it ultimately leads to kids and kids being involved. The reason that we have so much child porn and other stuff happening. It, you know how many agencies, government, police agencies are dealing with child, child porn? It's like all of them. But somebody told me the number is 16. I didn't even know there were that many. I don't think I could name that many agencies, but basically every policing agency there is, is dealing with child pornography. You know how we got there? Is the ongoing nature of of acceptance of pornography from whatever might have been seen as innocent at the time to the roughest stuff, and uh, it is destructive in every way. And so kudos to the Speaker of the House to want to stay away from it and his kid, and you should too completely away from it. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I got to take a break. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, final segment of the day or what's left of the day. I'm looking out the window. The sun is going down. We are here in uh, the the standard time. How many of you want to keep doing this? How many of you want to keep doing daylight savings? Or if we were to get rid of it, do you stay on standard time or do you move to uh, do you move to all year daylight savings time? 
888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. I always, uh, every year, and I used to do this in the pulpit, and I do this on the social media now, I'll put this statement out there just to see how people respond to it. And I, So this year I wrote this. I wrote, I'm really tired of having, I wrote this on Saturday night. Okay, so Saturday night, that's the night that the clocks uh, change, right? The The official time, by the way, do you know when it's official? I don't know. I think that a lot of people don't even think about it because we have – it changes automatically now if you just use your phone or maybe you have a clock that changes automatically. But uh, the official time is at 2 a.m., right? So last sa- Sunday morning at 2 a.m., you move the clocks back to 1 a.m. That's the official time, okay? And uh, when we get to March, you're going to have to do it again, and it will go from 2 to 3 in the middle of the night in the morning. That's the official time to do that. So I wrote this. I wrote, I'm getting really tired of having to get up twice a year at 2 a.m. to change the clocks. I really wish they would end this practice for good. Anyway, my alarm is set. And I just put that out there to give the impression that I'm <laughs> that I am getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning to change the clocks. Do you do that? Is there, is there anybody who does that? who actually gets up, sets the clocks, and then goes back to bed. Does anybody do that uh, uh, out there? No. No, you don't think so? I, I'm going to bet that there is. Look, we, we live in a world where my phone does it for me. Yeah, your phone does it for you. But I'll bet uh, maybe if you're a little older, I could swear. i got to ask my dad. I don't want to embarrass him, but dad, I could swear that he used to get up in the middle of the night to change the clocks. Now, nothing was digital. Nothing was digital then, right? So you had to actually. The microwave at my house is still at. Uh, it still says five o'clock right now somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> probably does. Well, it's coming up on uh, five o'clock. So anyway, I always write that because I always get people, and it's it's people who know me who like are enlightening me with the idea of setting the clocks before I go to bed. <laughs> Which I just enjoy. I would say I caught three people in that snare again this year. And I do it every year. I say, oh, I'm really tired of getting up. One year I talked about how frustrating it is to uh, set the alarm for 2 o'clock, and then I set the clock. I get up. I set the clock back to 1 o'clock, but then I forgot to turn the alarm off, so then I got up again at 2 o'clock, which, of course, I didn't do. I just wanted to see if people think that's happening. And I want to know, Does has somebody actually done that? Does anybody? Anyway, the real question is, do you want to do this? We have voted against it in California, and many states have voted against it. There are 29 states now considering getting rid of uh, change, doing the time change. Do you know what the, the problem is? There's an actual problem. The reason that we see we voted in California several years ago now to get rid of it and to stay on daylight savings. We said we're going to stay on daylight savings, so it would still be daylight right now, um, and it'll be a little darker in the morning is the idea. Uh, most other states, some states like Arizona. Now, if you vote as a state that you want to stay on standard time, you're allowed to do it. Um, But Congress is actually in charge of this in Washington, D.C. So California is not being allowed to to stay on daylight savings time because we voted the opposite of the other states and we've thrown the whole thing off, where other states have said, no, let's stay on standard time. We said, no, we want to stay on daylight savings time, and we're just not allowed to do that. It's never going to change if this is it, even though recent polls have between 60 and 70 percent of Americans think we should get rid of the time change. Do you have a thought about that? 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. There's a a new bill that uh, um, Marco Rubio in Florida is putting out there called the Sunshine Protection Act. 
and uh, it is to stay on daylight savings time all year round. And another bill is uh, brought about by another guy named Ralph Norman. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. If you could choose, which one would you do? Daylight savings or standard time? Do you have a thought about that, Wilbert? Uh, Jose, do you guys, what do you think? What would you, what, if we're going to get rid of daylights, moving the clocks around, do we stay on daylight savings or do we stay on standard time? So what what are we in right now? Daylight savings? Standard. We just went to standard time. Uh, no, we go to daylight savings. Yeah, that's how Californians voted right there. Look, it's five o'clock. I don't like walking out of the building and seeing the sun go down already. Yeah, it's going to be dark when we leave. It is. Yeah. I feel like I've wasted my day at this point. Right. <laughs> Not by working. Is I this mean, a waste like... of your time here, uh, Wilbert, on the uh, Sorry, Patrick Rodney. <laughs> You know, it is, uh, it, it's more, I guess it's more about when you go home, it's just nice to have light. But then in the morning, I mean, how dark would it be? When does the sun come up? Uh, what, like six? Seven? Like now, six. It's like when I got up this morning, it was pretty bright. I want to say, you know, six something. So uh, it seems pretty bright. Um, but people, that's part of the reason that we're not going to get rid of it is that it's going to stay the same. And uh, <clears throat> let's see. Sunrise today was at 618. 618, right. So that's so it would be 718, the sun coming. And that'll be darker. So one of the things people say is that they don't want kids like walking to school in the dark in the morning. You know, and I don't know if that would happen, but certainly, you know, northern, the farther up you go. See, we're spoiled, right, by being in in Southern California and the Florida people, of course, want it. But for us, that's probably not a really big issue. But if you're in, you know, Washington or Montana or New York or someplace up there, um, you're getting a lot of dark in the morning. Like, I wonder what time it would – probably the sun doesn't come up till what, – What time do school start now? Uh, my kids' school, one of them starts at 8, the other one starts at 8.30. See, it's later now. It's late enough. It's late enough for them. But I think in some parts of the country, it would still be dark at 8.30 or 8 o'clock. Right? I think that's how it how it works, you know, with the, the tilting of the earth and how the earth spins around. And, you know, for 3% of you, you don't buy any of that because you've bought into the weird flat earth stuff and uh, you just can't do that. Um, but actually the earth does uh, move around the sun and it tilts on its axis. You learned that in the third grade and that does happen and that affects the daylight. I had a, <laughs> I, I actually had a conversation with somebody who believed that because of the daylight savings time that we're actually creating more daylight in the day, that it's something where somehow we controlled the sun, I guess, was the idea and that we're giving ourselves an hour more of daylight. Only God can do that. Yeah. You know. And uh, I wonder what I'm looking right now, and it says East Coast sunrise was about six fifty nine. Six fifty nine. So it's going to keep getting darker until December twenty first. We got another six weeks. Look up what time it's uh, East Coast. Well, you got to look at North. So like Washington State, do Washington State. What time is sunrise on December? Uh, well, you see, Christmas vacation doesn't matter. So like December fifteenth. Figure out what time that is on that, and. Um, some people are talking about getting more sleep. I went to the nine o'clock service uh, at church this week, and uh, it was more full than usual. People were definitely early. It's about seven thirty on time. All right, seven thirty. Seven thirty. The sun comes up in Washington State. Uh, see, that's not that. I feel like the kids, uh, if they're walking to school, they must be pretty close, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, up there and all the the drudgery of the uh, moist air and the so-called rain they say they have up there. Although Look, we, we got more, for it. it should just be part of it. We got more rain than they did last year. 
it turns out. Uh, churches, uh, there was a guy in my church, he was always messed up on it. And uh, like every time you could almost uh, bet on it, not that you would do that, but uh, there were probably people in the pews that had a little poll going of uh, a few bets down on whether or not, uh, I won't say his name, we'll call him We'll call him uh, John, <clears throat> not his name. What time John's going to show up to church? Is he going to be on time or late? But he got it wrong a lot. Let's just say that that's the case. If you go to a Saturday night service at your church, are you com- – so that means that that church service, you're not affected at all by it. Does that mean that on that you're just messed up on Monday? Are you late to work on Monday? Or if you don't go to church, does that mean on Sunday you just didn't notice that the time has changed? I suppose it depends. If you're looking at your 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 phone, well, then it changes for you, right? But my my watch, I still had to change it because I have a you know I have an old watch with uh, with hands on it and a uh, and a uh, thing that goes by. Anyway, if you're wondering why we're still doing that, uh, we're doing it because Congress uh, can't agree and states don't agree, and uh, Congress doesn't seem to want to uh, broach that subject. And uh, the health reasons for for changing it are the best, actually. They say it's not good for you to change your your time and that the the spring one is actually worse for people, I guess, because you get less sleep. Anyway, stick with it and uh, stay good. Hey, this is the Pastor Scott Show. We're together each and every day from 3 to 5. You can get the Pastor Scott Show podcast by looking for the Pastor Scott Show on your favorite podcast app. And just click subscribe. And when you do that, take a minute to send it to your friends. We're excited about how our show is growing. We're so glad to be a part of your day each and every uh, day from 3 to 5. And uh, share it with your friends. Podcast is a great way to do that. Another great way to do that is to follow us on the social medias. We're right now on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and just look for at Pastor Scott Show. Find Pastor Scott Show and uh, click follow or like or subscribe or whatever the button says to click. You know, click that. We will make it worth your while. Everybody, I hope that you are driving home safe because it is unusual that it is dark uh, right now. But have a great night, and I look forward to being with you again tomorrow on the Pastor Scott Show from three to five. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.